So we're sitting down with the innovators, middle managers to CEOs who are on the front lines of digital transformation to see how they did it and what they learned. That's the important thing with change, right? Is that whether you're making change or adjusting to change, it's really about focusing on the people. So join us as we uncover gritty perspectives on turnaround jobs, prioritization, road mapping, user behavior insights, and scaling organizations. Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. Our guest today is Andy Glover, Director of Productivity Engineering at Netflix. Hear what it means to operate in an organization undergoing constant change and get the inside scoop on whether the Netflix culture deck is real. Let's get into it. Welcome. Today, our guest is Andy Glover. He's the Director of Productivity Engineering at Netflix. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit to get started, what you do and kind of at a high level, what your team is focused on. Yeah. So uh, it turns out uh, it's quite easy because what we focus on is, is in our name, and that's developer productivity. And so the, the value add to Netflix is that if uh, developers are you know, more productive uh, day in and day out, we will innovate faster than the rest of, let's say, the competition. And productivity is largely defined, at least in Netflix's terms, but I think we, we could probably genericize it to the industry, is you know, as, as a business, we want developers essentially working on business features, you know, business logic. And there's, um, as we're all painfully aware, a lot of other things that go into, again, the day in day out lives of a developer in terms of like setting up IDEs, you know, running builds, running tests, delivering that code into production, monitoring that code. And so you can think of that as like, you know, the, the various aspects of the, uh, the software delivery lifecycle or SDLC. And so productivity engineering's goal is to largely abstract away or make all those things easier. So developers are spending more time writing business logic, less time trying to figure out like, how do I get this in front of like end users so they can use it? Less time figuring out like, what metrics should I be watching? How do I set my idea up? Like, how do I set my environment up so I can run tests? All that is largely handled for developers at Netflix uh, by my by my team. And so productivity engineering looks at the world um, through, a, you could kind of, I guess, say three, three lenses, or we have three domains of focus. One is the local development experience. Then one is the delivery experience. And then the, the last and final uh, lens is the operational experience that developers have, uh, again, uh, on a daily basis. Gosh, there's there's so much that the inner nerd in me wants to dig in there, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna steer away from that and uh, and steer a little bit more towards, you know, our our theme here is really thinking about how you steer a team or an organization through scale and growth. What got you here won't get you there. Kind of uh, kind yep. of challenge. And I, I was I was curious if in your role you've experienced something like that in Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I think that the and we're going through that right now. So. I've been at Netflix for about seven years. And in that time, uh, Netflix as a company has grown tremendously, both from the standpoint of like uh, our membership. So as most people know Netflix as a streaming service, uh, we have grown into a global company uh, offering streaming again <laughs> across you know the, the globe. 
um, we are, you know, quickly approaching 200 million members. So that that's one aspect of growth that has happened over the, you know, the, since I've been in Netflix. Clearly, that that trend started before I joined, by the way. But you can also imagine, as a business, uh, as the business grows in terms of its footprint and 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 offerings, so too does the the actual inside of the business. Let's say the IT infrastructure. And so we've seen massive growth in terms of the number of developers working at Netflix. So when I joined Netflix, there were fewer than 2,000 people in the company. Uh, now there are roughly 3,000 engineers and about 7,000 people in the company. So you can see a massive change in terms of the size of the company, but also the size of the audience that uh, this particular or productivity engineering is serving. We've seen massive growth in terms of the infrastructure to facilitate, uh, you know, again, global streaming. And as I suspect anyone who's been, uh, uh, you know, a, a member of Netflix for some time, you've probably noticed that we are increasingly uh, providing our own content. So that's you can kind of think of as almost like a new business unit. In that, not only do we stream content, but we're now in the business of making content. And so there's a massive investment there from an IT standpoint, and that investment has caused growth of new lines of business, if you will. So new types of, uh, let's say, personas and use cases from a development standpoint that we'd like to obviously support and make as productive as possible. And so all of that growth has caused some pains. You know, you, you use the term, Scott, uh, you know, what got you there won't, or what got you here won't get you there type thing, which I agree with uh, in the sense of what got productivity engineering and let's say centralized platform engineering at Netflix to where we are today was a very, uh, let's say, decentralized uh, incentive model at the at the team level. So each team within platform engineering. So at, real quick, let me just say that productivity engineering is a centralized team supporting all of engineering at Netflix. We're in a larger org called platform engineering, which is fairly common across, you know, uh, let's say IT. So platform engineering was very much set up in the sense of individual teams were incentivized to go and make an impact and solve problems, you know, make people's lives easier at Netflix. And I think by and large, we've done that. Uh, we have amazing deep domain expertise. In fact, I mentioned those three uh, domains earlier of develop, deliver, and operate. So we have an amazing telemetry system that the telemetry team built called Atlas. We have a, a, a software delivery system that uh, another team built called Delivery Engineering, and that thing is called Spinnaker. We have uh, like a, a command line tool that spins up environments and facilitates local uh, development. That, and that, that's called Newt. And so we've built all these amazing products and that got us to, to where we are. But where we want to go is, is different now in that we have, to, we have to start thinking holistically and how these products are connected. Because going back to the, the value add or the, the leverage play of productivity engineering is to remove a lot of, let's say, the drudgery of the SDLC. And because we we focused at the individual team level and made impacts, we didn't think about the gluing them all together, so to speak. So if you're a developer at Netflix, your job is to glue them all together. And again, that that introduces, let's say, a, a level of inefficiency that we want to obviously fix, uh, so as to continue to be, you know, uh, uh, or so as to continue to offer productivity as a as a value add to the company. So I think a lot of times in organizations that we talk to, there is always this kind of wherever they started from. And they, you know, it starts out with maybe 
you know, a CEO in a room with a handful of developers, they're doing stuff together. And then all of a sudden you spring up all these teams. And it feels like we encounter a lot of organizations that have a lot of kind of technical debt and organizational debt and mm-hmm. who seem really far away from where you are at Nexus. It feels like the most evolved description of this type of operations that I've at least heard of. So what do you know? You you worked in a lot of different kind of consulting and advisory roles before you got to Netflix. I'm kind of curious as to like how you see that points on the maturity curve. Yeah, I I think one thing I've I've seen at Netflix that I I didn't see elsewhere, and I think this is how Netflix has scaled organizationally, is this notion of context over control, and it's 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 actually quite easy to um, talk about it. It's much harder to put it in practice, and I think it's exemplified by this notion. And you can you can find this if you you know whatever Google Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of Netflix. Um, at one point, there was an article that talked about how he prided himself on making few decisions. And the point is, is as CEO, and he does make decisions. Don't get me wrong; we wouldn't be here today without, like, you know, his brilliance and and leadership. Nevertheless, the I think the 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 point is, is that Reed is not a control command and control type leader. He is a context setter. He kind of describes this is where we should go, and then his expectation is that the the actual how we achieve that is pushed to the lowest levels. And so you can see that reflected in Netflix engineering in the sense of ICs at Netflix have, a, uh, I mean, an extreme, they are extremely empowered to make decisions on behalf of the company. They are, they are basically charged with make the right decision for the company. I don't make decisions per se. I don't tell ICs, this is what you should be doing. I just basically, I, I paint a picture in terms of like, Here, here's the and I think we need to climb. They are free to challenge that uh, and and potentially convince me I'm wrong or you know Reed's wrong. Uh, and then once we all agree, okay, this is where we want to go, then it's entirely up to software development teams, the ICs and those teams, to make uh, those decisions and, and and whatnot to to get there. So there's a there's a ton of let's say empowerment and autonomy um, within Netflix. So I think that avoids a lot of the let's say, organizational debt. And that's why Netflix continues and is able to evolve quickly. I think we've done this now a few times in terms of going from DVD to streaming. And from streaming, we're still streaming, but now we're into content creation. I think, you know, uh, I think we're doing pretty well at it. Uh, and I believe many of our members think so as well. And so... Uh, I think the market has a high opinion of it as well. Uh, <laughs> just a point of clarification. IC stands for individual contributor? That's my yes. guess. Yeah, okay. Yes, correct. And so... But you also mentioned just tech debt, and this is an area that I mean, every uh, you know, let's say company that deals with like software deals with, and Netflix has its own fair share of tech debt, and in some cases we're really good at fixing it, in some cases we're not, and this is one of the growing pains that I think we're facing as an organization is how do you. Well, first and foremost, as a, as a company in our DNA, we know how to we know that change is the only constant, right? Like, I think we're actually quite good at changing and and adapting to like market needs. In fact, I would say that Netflix in general is a is a is a, is a great example of a learning company in that we get new data and we adjust accordingly. When it comes to tech tech debt, and I think this is something that affects every company that uh, is in the software industry or you know has software. Uh, Netflix is no exception. We we have our fair share of tech debt. 
And in fact, I think that's an area where we are trying to learn how to be better at evolving it. So it's, you know, it's again, very clear that the only constant is change. And again, as a business, Netflix is very good at adapting to change. And those changes always affect the underlying, let's say, infrastructure. And I put infrastructure in quotes from the standpoint, it's not just the hardware we run on, but it's all the software that you know facilitates streaming and content creation. And as a company, we want to remain nimble because again, nimbleness uh, keeps us ahead of our competition. And the fact of the matter is, is that IT gets brittle, it gets old, and you have to constantly kind of update it, shepherd it, whatever it is in terms of staying in the latest and greatest trends. And there have been technical decisions that we've made in the past that some sometimes affect our ability to easily affect change across the infrastructure. So this is one of our biggest pain points and opportunities to improve going forward is how can we uh, make change easier for you know teams at Netflix because we can't not get into a situation where we're where we refuse to change. So we're always going to have to embrace this notion of evolving quote unquote infrastructure. And as a centralized team, one of the levers we have is to, for example, do things like raise the level of abstraction hmm. underneath software development teams so that we can change some of these things more easily without having to affect every team. So right now, many changes across the infrastructure require, essentially a, a, a like a, a person, a team to go on a campaign and convince other teams, hey, we want to upgrade this thing. We want to change this thing. And sometimes it requires that people roll up their sleeves and, and do this with teams. And uh, that's a scaling challenge. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Netflix has grown tremendously in terms of just the number of people working there. Uh, and so, uh, and we can't, grow indefinitely. This is a problem like obviously we don't want to just throw bodies at. There's, you know, there are techniques and and whatnot we can do to make change easier. And one of them again is to is just increasingly raise the level of abstraction underneath teams so that we can switch things out more easily. That, and that makes a ton of sense. I mean, because both, but you know, and and again, the nerd in me wants to dive into configuration management and things like that. But I'm mm-hmm. but it seems like even how teams interface with your team you, you, I, I just can't imagine that you don't experience that personally, uh, as you have to re renegotiate contracts of how teams get benefit from what you you do. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I, I think you know, and actually that's a great point. Um, and one thing I like to talk about at Netflix that I think is also helping us scale and, and creates this organizational agility, uh, and, and to an extent some of our some of our technical agility, is that uh, there's no there are no edicts at Netflix um, <laughs> that you know teams use. For example, the 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 products in uh, Productivity's engineering's portfolio, and so it's kind of like a market economy. In that, if if one of you know if a team in my org creates a solution that nobody uses, we need to kill that solution as soon as possible and get out of that business, so to speak. And so it forces us as centralized teams to have a, a, a high degree of empathy and understanding for the users we support and build what they need uh, and what they want. Usually, hopefully, they're the same thing. And it, it forces us to, to make hard you know, priority decisions in terms of, you know, we're never going to be able to build everything everyone wants, but we're going to have to build the most high leverage things. But I think it, it works It works in the sense of those products I mentioned earlier, like Atlas and Spinnaker and Newt. They are 
again, no one's required to use them, but they are heavily leveraged at Netflix because they meet, you know, the needs of many teams and you know that they serve. So I think it works well from that standpoint. And it, again, uh, it fosters a strong relationship between centralized teams and stakeholders, you know, throughout the company. Does all of platform engineering work that way, or only your group? All of platform engineering. That's and so, fair. well, and so uh, again, talking about some growing pains, this is a <laughs> fascinating one. So it is a market economy at Netflix. Uh, you know, if if you're, you know, you spin up a team that's going to, I don't know, build something to facilitate content creation. And let's say the telemetry platform offered by, you know, by my team is not meeting your needs. You are free to go out and, and use something else. And so, and that, that notion is embodied in what we call freedom and responsibility. So that's a, a core tenant of, of Netflix's culture is that you are, you know, you are free to make the decision you feel is appropriate for the company. Uh, but then, of course, you have a responsibility, you know, uh, an accountability to that decision. And so there have been cases in the past where uh, teams have opted not to use, let's say, centralized, you know, platform products. And it has somewhat created a, a, a challenge for some platform teams because invariably those products that they chose maybe use or are built on top of or integrate with some other internal Netflix product that then creates this um uh, uh, this, this dependency, excuse me, uh, a transitive dependency of support. And so one of the things we're kind of wrestling with and, and trying to figure out moving forward, if we want to be able to evolve the, you know, the, the infrastructure again, we as centralized teams may need to be more opinionated and, and, and have stronger kind of guidance or arguments for, you know, it is a market economy, but this thing, even though it doesn't meet 100% of your needs, uh, it, it meets, let's say, 80%. And together, we can close that gap rather than you going off and, and just buying or using or building a new product because it creates this long-term uh, tech debt part that the, you know that Jess was uh, asking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that trade-off may, may or may not be clear at the moment that the choice is being made, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And we've seen that. And that's a lesson learned is that you know we, we tend to optimize on the, like the let's say, the near term, not necessarily mm. looking at the horizon in terms of if you make this decision today, it may alleviate some immediate pain, but it's going to create pain in the long term for a far larger audience than uh, than you know than what we can realize right now. Right, right. And how, how do you allocate that accountability then? That's uh that's that's difficult. Yeah, and I think it goes back to this notion of empathy and that, you know, as 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 a centralized team. You know, our, our value to Netflix is is in serving the needs of those teams, and if if we're not doing a good job, and a signal of that is that they're not using our products, and so if they're not using our products, you know, they're going to build these new things. So we have to totally embrace this notion of like servant leadership and empathy and understanding their problems, and 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 trying to meet them, you know, halfway and, and building strong relationships. That's another aspect of how this company has scaled and will continue to scale, and I think it's a beautiful part of the Netflix, let's say, culture is that it's very, very uh, are predicated on relationships, communication. I understand your problems and I can either meet and, and then we can come to a decision. And sometimes I have to say no to you uh, or you have to say no to me. And then there's this whole notion of like, you know, disagree and commit and whatnot. So, you know, I think scaling you know, the Netflix or any company, there's a technical part of it, but I think the, the bigger and harder uh, 
but more rewarding part is is the is the is the cultural kind of people problems, and if you can deal with those, I think you can you can solve any technical problem. And the culture of Netflix is is rather, I mean, quasi famous. There's the Netflix culture deck. Um, Patty McCord has launched a whole business around it. I've just started to listen to Land of the Giants, which yeah, I'm on episode two about Netflix and Blockbuster. Great. Great little series there. And so, so much is, there's a lot of that. And I, I guess the story goes that they wanted to create this culture because they were sick of working at terrible places elsewhere. So I'm a little <laughs> wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that culture, particularly for maybe listeners who, are, who aren't familiar with it. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I joined Netflix because of the culture. When um, uh, I used to live in, in Northern Virginia, and a friend of mine joined Netflix and was trying to convince me to, to you know, come out to California to join this publicly traded company. And I was like, no way. I don't want to work for a big company. Uh, I really enjoy working for small companies where I, you know, I control my own destiny. And um, she sent me the culture deck. So right now we have a culture memo, but you can Google you know, Netflix culture deck. It's the same thing. It's just in, in you know, PowerPoint form. And my jaw hit the floor. Uh, when I started reading that, I had tried uh, on previous occasions. You know, I had my own company, companies, and tried to create an you know an amazing culture, and you know succeeded in some ways and failed in a lot of other ways. But when I saw this culture, I was like, "This is amazing! I want to work here, but I'm highly skeptical of this." And and I'll go into some aspects of the culture, but I, I do want to say this is that uh, what you read in the culture memo or if you see the culture deck is real. And before I joined Netflix. I was a little skeptical, and so I was actually a lot skeptical. I I um I moved out to California and I, I left my family in Virginia because I, I I told my wife I might be back in two weeks because I'm you know when I start at this company I'm going to see how it really operates and I'm going to be you know there's a, there's a, there's a chance I'm going to be disappointed and so I'm just going to bail and I'll I'll come back to I'll come back home so don't don't put the house on the market don't do anything and. <laughs> I am happy to say that you know seven years later, you know my family and is out here. Uh, we moved, and I love Netflix because the 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 culture is a differentiator. And the culture, um, there's there's a number of interesting aspects of it. I, I mentioned one of them, this notion of freedom and responsibility, is that you at Netflix, you you are empowered to make decisions that you feel are the right, you know, are are are, are the right thing for the business. And it doesn't mean you you can do whatever you want. I mean, there there, there are certain you know uh, aspects there, and, and that, I think that's the the responsibility part of freedom and responsibility. But I I come from you know uh, having been and run at startups, and I see Netflix very much still as a startup you know like like company. In that, as I mentioned earlier, Reed uh, provides context to his, you know, his team and his team goes out and provides more detailed context to their teams. And it gets to, to me and I hear that context and I, I apply it to like, you know, the, the, the situation of, of, of productivity engineering. And then I give that context to my team. And it's, it's amazing that, you know, the, the amount of empowerment and autonomy that, that people have at Netflix. There are interesting aspects that you know, that come out of that in that, for example, like the expense policy at Netflix is one sentence. It's, you know, use, use Netflix money as you'd use your own. There is no vacation policy. You can take as much as you want. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very flat organization. So I mentioned IC. So in large part, Netflix has senior software engineers, then engineering managers, then directors, VPs, and then, you know, officers of the company. Uh, And it's, and it's, 
and it also the, the company uh, there's this whole whole notion of feedback, and there's nothing to stop you, for example, from giving Reed feedback uh, or telling Reed like I disagree with this idea or I think we should do this, and he'll listen to you uh, and either say it's a great idea, let's do it, or he'll say ah you know we've thought about that and here's the reasons why you know we're ultimately not going to do that or this is why we made this decision. I had that experience. I emailed Reed a couple of years ago about something uh, uh, that I had some feedback and he got back to me immediately. And I was like, I was floored in the sense of like, because he's obviously a very busy person, but he took time out of his day to reply to me. I think a great kind of uh, contemporary example of this culture where anyone can can make a difference. You know, obviously we're all going through COVID and and Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter and, um, and, and, uh, and shelter in place. And a individual at Netflix, he's a director, uh, proposed an idea that uh, that Netflix could, uh, for example, put some of our money in, in Black-owned banks. And so he essentially emailed the CFO and said, "Hey, I've got this idea. This is something we could do to affect change and 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 do something good for for society." And and we did it, uh, which is just awesome that it you know it happened quickly and it was just an idea that you know this individual had and it you know. Couple emails later, and it was essentially, you know, I wouldn't say company policy, but in effect, company policy that we started putting our money in, in, in black-owned banks. Again, you can Google that and find out more. It's a, it's a, it's an awesome story. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's one I definitely take a look at. And I think you know, a lot of times is is people who and and you were before, and and we are now, like kind of in a consultant role. You hear what the culture is, and you see the artifacts of the culture, and then you show up and you find out what it really is. Yes. It seems as if this is like what it says it is. It actually is. Yes, exactly. It's, you know, the culture is, is, are, you know, the values that, you know, people uh, demonstrate day in and day out. It's not like, you know, fancy things hanging on the wall or, you know, statements in, in the lobby. It's how people interact and treat each other every day. And, uh, and it's, it's true at Netflix. Um, it's, it's easily the best company I've ever worked for. That's amazing. <clears throat> so I am. I, I do need to tickle my uh, my inner nerd just a little bit. Um, of course. And and one one of the struggles that I had as a as an engineering and product leader at product companies before before uh, coming here to Three Pillar was justifying investments in productivity and infrastructure and yeah. code pipeline. Right, like a, a lot of things that. Uh, you know, my my leadership a lot of times would be like, "Wait, you want me to give up features that support sales?" To support engineering lifestyle uh, and ease of engineering for engineers, um, how how would you advise like former former me, uh, for lack of a better term, but someone in one of those roles on on how to justify those those investments from a pro business standpoint? Yeah, I think it comes down to you know there there it turns out there are a lot of easy metrics there and ways to show like increased productivity or efficiency. Uh, you, know, you can save you know money or time. I mean they're both interrelated. And I think it's just showing that, for example, you talk about like software delivery. This is every company has to figure out how to put software in front of end users, you know, reliably, safety, safely, and efficiently. And every company's doing it, or every team at every company is already doing that, right? And so there's largely, or there's, it's usually easy to make a case that, hey, look, we can get a massive efficiency gain if we, for example, invest here and create common tooling. Uh, so that everyone in the company can use the same thing. And, and what you get out of that as well is increased innovation. And this is, I've told this story before. So when I got to Netflix, there were a number of different products that were facilitating software delivery. 
and they all were doing a great job, but they were all doing it slightly differently. And what I propose is let's, let's centralize this function. Let's create a delivery engineering team whose sole, sole uh, you know, value add to Netflix is a continuous delivery platform. And what will happen is that those teams, uh, they'll actually get more bandwidth to work on features because they're not spending time writing like you know, software delivery, let's say logic. And even better is that then they'll get to take advantage of the innovations that others in the company are, are doing. And we saw this with Canary Analysis in that there was a, there was a Canary Analysis platform. So Canary Analysis is, you know, you can, you, you can, you can compare, you know, uh, like software packages against live traffic. So it's like an apples to apples comparison. Like the new one doesn't work as well as the old one. And that was kind of like a, a special, you know, black art uh, only available to a few teams who had the bandwidth to figure out how to plug it into their software delivery, let's say, um, you know, products. Once we put that into a standard platform, then you had this massive uh, kind of efficiency gain in that everyone at the company got that for quote unquote free. And so again, I think it just all boils down to is like uh, duplication of, of, of effort. It all, yeah, it all boils down to actually efficiency gains, right? Whether it's, you know, money saved, more time to work on features, uh, there is an upfront investment, right? Uh, but it's just like, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago or, you know, like <laughs> you put money in a savings you know, account today so that when you retire, it's a lot more. It's the same thing with respect to like software, let's say productivity is it does require some upfront investment. But the beauty is, is you can measure these things and then you can show results and say, hey, look, developers are quote unquote more productive because we made this investment. Netflix has seen this uh, and, and embrace this early on. It, it also helps that uh, Netflix leadership uh, all come from uh, technical backgrounds, so they they instinctively know this, having been developers. Like, yes, so like I don't want developers reinventing the wheel every time. Like, I want them working on business logic. So, I, I recognize some companies. Uh, again, uh, there, there's you have to convince them from that standpoint. But again, it comes back to just efficiency gains, which is always time and money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And would you would you use the efficiency argument even if we're talking about things like security or other other hygiene aspects of of software delivery? I would. Uh, I mean, you mentioned security. Uh, that, I mean, that's an interesting one. That one, there. You know, there, there's also fear is is a great uh, you know motivator <laughs> there. It's like that's always it's also <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's also an efficiency gain in the sense of do you, you know you 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 want. Blanket security, there's, you know, every company has security needs, whether it be PCI socks or other aspects. No company wants to be on, you know, the, 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 the front page of the New York Times, right? And so why not build these disciplines in, invest in a central org and then make it so that other teams can easily get these things, so to speak, whether it be security, reliability, uh, you know, all those, all those illities uh, mm-hmm. Netflix has seen. I believe a great return on investment by centralizing them. I just wanted to call out. I, I, I'm I'm fascinated by the market economy aspect of this, um, given the, the the strain on Netflix's uh, infrastructure. I mean, you know, it's well well known that Netflix accounts for an incredible percentage of global internet traffic. Um, so it's the fact that 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 you have that level of empowerment. It's uh, it's really uh, it's it's a fascinating study in in culture and um, scale. Um, sorry, Jess. Go ahead. I was going to ask a more basic question, which is if anyone's listening and they're like, this sounds awesome, but that's a lot of stuff. Where is the best bang for your buck to start? Like, mm-hmm. Where would be one place you would say, go look here 
if you could just start there, you could probably start to build some momentum and generate the case and maybe start to free up in the organization. Is there is there one or two places where um, people who are listening could immediately start to apply some of these ideas? These ideas being in terms of like uh, uh, productivity engineering? Mm-hmm. Productivity engineering. Yeah. I, and this is, you know, I'm probably largely biased here because I spent uh, actually a, a good deal of my uh, career at Netflix doing this. But I think the, let's say the, the discipline of software delivery is going through a very, very, you know, interesting cycle in the last few years in terms of the level of innovation here. In terms of obviously Netflix uh, has a has a has an open source product called Spinnaker, but there's there's a host of others. You know, whether it be you know, I mean Jenkins Jenkins X. Uh, mm-hmm. There's uh, you know in the Kubernetes ecosystem uh, something called Tecton, Git Labs. All all these really interesting companies are getting into the quote unquote software delivery business, and so I think there's a lot of in- interesting innovation there, and it's quite easy to see results because it, you know, you, you said this earlier, Scott, you know, the business wants features in front of users, right? That's how you ultimately make money is I have to make, you know, we have as a business to make people happy. And so what every business wants is to do that as quickly as possible to get that signal, uh, but also as reliably and safely as possible. And with all the innovation going into software delivery, every company can, I, I believe, make improvements there, including Netflix. We continually enhance that discipline. And so I think that's probably a really, I, I was going to say really easy. Uh, nothing's really easy, but that's probably low-hanging fruit in terms of a place where you can quickly measure how are we doing today. You can implement some changes, whether it is introduce new products or even just new processes. And then you can measure again and say, are we... Are we are we delivering more value to end users? Like, are there more? You know, is more code going into production? Are we releasing more often? These are very very easy metrics that I think translate very well into business metrics in the sense of you know we're putting features out faster than we were whatever six months ago. Uh, ideally, they're better features that aren't breaking as often and whatnot. But uh, I, I think any business can see that and say, hey, that's an improvement. This is this is a win. Uh, that's just one. I think you know, all across the SDLC, there are plenty of areas where you can you can you can quickly get a baseline, run some experiments, and see if they're working. But software delivery, I would I would say, is uh, is a fun one these days. And and God knows we've all spent way too much time deploying any particular build uh, yeah. at some point in our lives <laughs> and had to roll it back. Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a universal problem, right? Every company needs to put something in front of an end user, uh, and so. Uh, yeah. And it's always harder than it should be. <laughs> Indeed. So we have a, two standard questions we like to ask um, guests, and we'd love to ask you as well. So what's the one thing you always look for to tell you if a team is healthier in trouble? I think having a team full of yes, yes people is, uh, is, is, a, is a sure sign that uh, things are unhealthy. And uh, what piece of technology, analog software, hardware that is not your phone, uh, can you not live without? Yeah, so it turns out I cannot live without uh, Spotify. Uh, and specifically, I've, I've hooked it up to Sonos in my house. Um, I, am, I just always have to have background music going. And I just love, so Sonos and Spotify are just, uh, I can't imagine life without them. If if I wasn't uh, at Netflix, uh, I would be knocking on either Sonos's or Spotify's door to to, to work with them because I just love their products. 
Yeah, they may listen to this and come knock on your door, but we're not I was responsible. Say that they're, they're lucky to have you. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much. Uh, this has been this has been awesome. Um, some really great insights here for uh, for us and for for our audience. So uh, uh, we're we're really grateful. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Innovation Engine, a podcast from Three Pillar Global. If you have questions, comments, or guest suggestions, email us at info at threepillarglobal.com or visit threepillarglobal.com.